This podcast records Gladly University's top-notch child welfare trainings and turns them into digestible and easy-to-consume information to help you be more equipped as a parent, child welfare specialist, counselor, social worker, or a human navigating this world. Sit back, get comfy, and get ready to learn. Enjoy. Welcome to Gladden University. This training is called Practical Self-Care Planning. Our speaker's name is Lindsay Garrett. Lindsay is a licensed clinical social worker who has worked in child welfare and adoption for almost 10 years. With extensive training in trauma, child development, and connected parenting, Lindsay guides families through pre-adoption and trains and supports them after their adoptions. We hope you enjoy this program. Happy learning. I am so happy to be with you. We're going to learn about how to plan for our own self-care. So my name is Lindsay Garrett. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I've been with Gladney for about 10 years. And I primarily work with families uh, after their adoption. So parents who are transitioning to being parents from the first time or who are adding another child to their family. Uh, for those of you that have become parents or have more than one kid, you know that that's a pretty stressful time. And I created this training primarily for parents and have adapted it today because I know we have a lot of professionals in the room as well. So we're going to have three parts. We're going to spend most of our time on part one of kind of finding what works for you with self-care. And then I'm going to go into a little bit deeper of uh, planning your different levels of care, of what you might need on a typical day versus when you're more stressed out or when you're at the end of your rope. And then we're going to end with some ideas to integrate your care into your day-to-day life. How to use this training. So I know the world of self-care tells you a lot about what they feel like you should do. I mean, the wellness industry makes a bunch of money off of quick fixes because they're all stressed out and busy. And I want you to use this training in whatever way works for you. Um, One of the big beliefs that I have about self-care is if it works for you, then that's what you need to be doing. Uh, For instance, you know, bubble baths are like a stereotypical self-care thing um, that you'll see on a different slide. And personally, like I really care about bubble baths. They don't work for me. Uh, But what does work for me often is uh, planning. I'm a big planner. I love uh, school supplies and, you know, paper planners and writing things down and color coding things. And for other people, that sounds terrible, but that really helps lower my stress. Um, So really, as we go through this, I want you to think about what works for you. We're going to do a few activities throughout the training. If you don't want to do them, don't do them. Uh, You have handouts that go along with the training that are meant to help you as we go kind of brainstorm and uh, make a plan. Really, the goal for this is for you to leave with some sort of actionable plan uh, to care for yourself better. If you don't want to do them, if you hate writing things down, then don't do them. You know, this is for you. So do what what works for you. And that's kind of my motto for self-care as well. Like if it isn't helpful, if it feels stupid, if it doesn't work for you, don't do it. You will not offend me. In fact, I will not even know what you do when you leave this training. This is the mindset that I want you to be in throughout our training today. The person who knows what you need better than anyone else is you. 
not your best friend, not your sister or your brother or your mom or a stranger on the internet in a Facebook group or your boss. You know yourself better than anyone else in the entire world. Uh, and self-awareness is a big part of self-care. So really, we're going to be tapping into what is it that you need. And then there's no right or wrong when it comes to self-care. There's only what works for you. I think uh, society and the world and the wellness industry tell us that self-care may need to be spa days and pedicures and taking an entire day for yourself. And, you know, if we're not doing this picturesque self-care, then we're doing it wrong. One, it's not realistic. Um, we're we're going to talk about how to choose things that are realistic. Uh, most of us just don't have time for that in our day to day. And two, it then adds another layer of almost like shame or guilt that like, oh, I'm not doing self-care right, which is counteractive to lowering our stress and caring for ourselves. So there's no right or wrong when it comes to self-care. There's only what works for you. So these are kind of the two things I want you to keep in your brain as we go through our planning process today. All right, we're gonna start off with a little activity. I know I told you you didn't have to participate in activities, but if some of you participate, this will go faster. Uh, so I want you guys using your chat box, I want you uh, to just tell me like based on, you know, what you see online or what you hear from people or even just generally what you know so far, like what is self-care? What's something that's self-care? You see, I, you've got like the bubble bath with champagne picture there. I feel like that's pretty stereotypical self-care. What's something else you can think of that is a way the world tells us we should be taking care of ourselves? Regular manicures, mm, yes. Spa day, massages, gym, running, working out, exercise, watching movies in bed, that sounds great. Yoga, vacations, shopping, reading, love it, good. Taking, see, we've got so many counselors in the room. They're like saying the actual thing, what self-care should be. Eating, <laughs> nature, doing whatever allows you to unwind, crafting, working out. All right, great. Spending time with your pillow. That sounds wonderful. I have two little ones, so I'm always up way earlier in the morning than I ever want to be. Okay, so society tells us that self-care needs to be, you know, spa days or massages or pedicures or bubble baths. Um, and for some of us, that might work uh, and be something that we try to integrate in our self-care. But for a lot of us, it may not be realistic or may not be something that we enjoy doing. Self-care needs to be a few different things, true self-care. Uh you're looking for things that are gonna nourish your soul as well as your body. Things like working out or relaxing are great, but they're surface level. Uh, so you wanna find things that like feel, fill you up on a deeper level than just that surface level. Uh, Self-care is also processing your own emotions in order to be emotionally present, either for the people you work with or for your children if you're a parent. Those of us that are in the helping industry are pouring and pouring and pouring out of our own cups all day long and then sometimes doing it more when we get home and processing the hard things we encounter or the things that we're feeling and regulating our own selves in order to be present for those people that we're trying to help is really important and that is a piece of self-care um and then also modeling for those people how to found, find balance in this busy life. That is something that I tell myself, especially when I might be feeling uh, 
like self, my own self-care is taking time away from my children or taking time away from people that need me. Part of my job is to model how to be a healthy human and to balance caring for myself while also doing all the things that are required. And then just generally self-care is doing whatever you need to do to recharge so you don't burn out. Because if we're burnt out, we're not really helpful to ourselves or anyone else. I like this visual uh, just to get us thinking about self-care in a little bit of a different way. I think, uh, so we've got protective care and restorative care. Uh, and this was created by Dr. Christine Coe. Restorative care, I think, is what uh, we often think of when we think about self-care. So, you know, doing activities that make ourselves feel good, uh, prioritizing people and things that fill your cup, um, eating well, drinking a lot of water. You're going to see me with my water bottle today because my body needs a lot of water all the time. Uh, doing physical activities that make your body feel good, spending time in nature. These are kind of the things we think of when you think about self-care, but self-care can also be like protective. Uh, so setting boundaries around your time and energy, actually stopping work at some point in the day, uh, letting go of things that irritate your body, letting go about ideas of what you should be doing, uh, letting go of toxic relationships. I think that's a big one. Um, limiting social media. Uh, that is something that I struggle with in practice uh, doing is even just recognizing when social media has, is hurting me more than it's helping me and knowing when to take a break. Because uh, for most of us, you know, just not ever being on social media is probably not realistic. So finding boundaries around that. And then I like this last one, embracing the power of small goals and action. And that correlates with having faith in the cumulative impact of small actions. I think often when we think about self-care, we might picture, you know, a full day at the spa or taking a vacation. And those things are wonderful if you have time to do them. But most of the time we don't. And if we wait for those opportunities, and that's the only time we're caring for ourselves, we're just not going to do it very often. So reframing our idea of self-care for small goals and actions and those small things that will add up uh, to fill our cups instead of always just relying or waiting for these big opportunities that just don't come very often and sometimes don't come ever for a lot of us. So a little bit of information on what happens if we neglect our care. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about why we need self-care because we all know that we do. Uh, but just want to make sure that everyone is aware that, you know, if we get to the extreme side of things, um, this is what neglecting our care could lead to. So for those of you that are in helping professions, uh, if you're exposed to a lot of trauma or emotional duress, uh, we could experience secondary trauma or vicarious trauma in working with our clients. I work with uh, clients that adopt internationally and that adopt from foster care, and I hear a lot of trauma stories. So I have to be really aware of how things are affecting me and care for myself in that way. One of the ways that I do that is uh, I have a once a month standing uh, appointment with my therapist just for kind of processing and managing my own mental health. And part of that is talking about hard things that may have come up at work. Um, I also manage that through talking with my coworkers or uh, processing with safe people in my life. Uh, 
but the first step is recognizing that that's an effect of my job because I am exposed to a lot of trauma. And then trauma might also be actual post-traumatic stress disorder if we experience trauma firsthand. Uh, and then for the parents in the room, I like to touch on uh, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. So uh, this is an expanded definition of what we used to call postpartum depression, because we have found um, in the last several years that uh, that doesn't really define the large range of mood and anxiety disorders that can happen uh, while people are pregnant and then after birth during that transition, that hard transition of having a new kid. So the most recent studies um, show that perinatal mood and anxiety disorders affect one in five women and one in 10 men. I also like to point this out. I think our perception of mood and anxiety disorders after a baby arrives uh, tends to just think about women because you think of it as being like this hormonal thing and maybe your hormones get out of whack and you're stressed and that leads to mental health issues. A lot of the risks or catalysts for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are environmental. Um, so men are also at risk and adoptive parents are also at risk um, at developing these. So I just like to use my little soapbox to educate about that. Because uh, I think a lot of us, if we haven't been in this world in a while, really just think of like postpartum depression happens sometimes to people who've been pregnant and that's it. Um, but it encompasses a much larger range of people. Okay, now let's get into the fun stuff. Uh, so I am going to go through making your self-care plan, how to find what works for you. They're in your handouts. Um, there is a little chart um, that correlates with each of these words. So there's a box that says rejuvenate, routine, realistic, and then small self-care. If you want to use that as we go and jot down things in each box, you are more than welcome to uh, that you can refer back to later. If you do not want to do that, you do not have to. You do you, ma'am. So first, we're going to talk about finding what works for you, what rejuvenates you, how to find those things. Then we're going to talk about building it into your routine. Oh, I'm sorry. I went the wrong way. Rejuvenate and then determine what's realistic for you. So you might have something that really rejuvenates you, but it doesn't really fit in your life right now. How do you adjust that to make it realistic? And then building it into your routine. And then I'm going to touch a little bit about small self-care, things that you can do when life gets really busy, um, those tiny things that will add up. And let's start with rejuvenating. So I said earlier that really the key to self-care is knowing what works for you. So take a minute and think about what feels good to you. And I want you to really think outside the box. Um, you know, there's this this picture of being in nature that really feels good to me. Um, I love being outside. I live in the Houston area. We have a lot of piney woods, uh, which is just gorgeous. Uh, you can, you know, walk down the street from a neighborhood and literally be in the forest, which is wonderful. Uh, I'm from Fort Worth, so that's very different. <laughs> uh, than the fields and plains that we have up there. Um, so being in nature, um, but also kind of think outside the box, what feels good to you? Uh, is it crafting or coloring? Is it being creative in some way? Is it watching television, sitting on the couch that you can turn your brain off and not have to think about? Um, is it reading something that you learn something new or that is just pure entertainment? 
Is it uh, playing, playing video games or playing a game with other people? Is it moving your body? What feels good to you? Um, and then what leaves you feeling energized and refreshed? So there might be things that feel good to you, but don't leave you feeling energized and refreshed. Um, I'll use myself as an example. I am an introvert. So, you know, meeting up with friends and going to do social things feels good to me when I'm there, but I'm drained at the end of it. It exhausts me, especially now, you know, we're transitioning from uh, being cooped up in our houses and not really having a whole lot of social interaction from COVID. And, you know, I go have dinner with a friend and I'm just white. I almost feel like I need to build back up my tolerance for social interaction, uh, which for those of you that are also introverts, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. So that's something that might feel good to me, but it doesn't leave me feeling energized and refreshed. But I need to know that about myself so that, yes, I can choose to do this thing that feels good, but know that it's really not uh, going to going to fill my cup back up and then not feeling bad when it doesn't uh, because for some people that works if you're having trouble thinking of what feels good to you or you know what leaves you feeling energized uh, one of the things you can do is kind of think back to your childhood what are the things that you love to do when you were a kid again using myself as an example when from the age of six through like college, um, I danced. I did ballet and tap and jazz and recitals and uh, danced at school. And I loved dancing. I was so involved in it. And then, you know, as I got older, you know, there just weren't as many opportunities for that. So it kind of fell out of my life. Dance is something that has always brought me joy and makes me happy and does leave me feeling energized. It makes me feel good. And so the past couple of years, I've been thinking about what are ways that I can integrate more dance into my life. And I've tried a couple of different ways. Um, but the way I found that works is I have a dance playlist on my phone. And when I'm getting ready in the morning, or even when I'm in the car, or whenever I just have an opportunity and remember to, I will play my dance playlist that is all music that makes me want to dance. And I'll have a little dance party and that makes me feel good. Um, and that's something that I can tie directly back to something I loved as a child. Um, when we're children, we tend to really lean into whatever feels good to us and naturally follow things that leave us energized and refresh ourselves. And then we get bogged down into all the work of adulthood and we kind of forget those things. So if you're having trouble, if you can link back to something that you enjoyed when you were a child and either, you know, just do it or, you know, adapt it uh, to what works in your life now as an adult, uh, that can be a good starting point. And then the last piece of finding what works for you is just trial and error. Try something. Does it feel good? Does it feel leave you feeling energized and refreshed? Great. Add that to the list. Does it not check those boxes? Then move on to the next thing. All right, so we've talked about finding things that work for you. Now, um, let's assume you have a few ideas of what works for you. Now you need to make sure that they're realistic, that are actually going to fit into your life. And this is important because if it's not realistic, you're not going to do it. So I'll use my dance example. So I knew that dance was something that was going to refresh me, fill my tank, something I wanted to add into my self-care. And at first I was looking for a dance class because that's what I did when I was a kid. Um, it was kind of 
what I thought that would look like. Uh, I was thinking it kind of shoulds, like if I'm gonna do dance, I need to go do dance in a group with other people in a class. And I found a ballet class and I went a few times and it felt pretty good, but then I just stopped going. Uh, I had to drive uh, about 20, 30 minutes to get there. Houston's real big y'all. Um, so it was taking me a lot of time to go to an hour long class. It cost more money than I really wanted it to. So I felt a little bit bad about spending that money. It, uh, since I was leaving to go and do it for a big chunk of time, I had to work around my schedule and make sure I had childcare. I was going at a time when my husband was home. It just, it kind of going to the class caused me more stress than the class was worth. So I realized that that wasn't realistic for me. It didn't fit into my schedule, my time, my budget. And that's when I adjusted to what I do now um, with integrating dance into my uh, daily life. It works for me. I can do it for two minutes or 10 minutes or however I want. Uh, and I don't have all of the scheduling and budget and time constraints uh, that didn't work when I was trying to attend this class. So think about like, what is your schedule? What is your time? What is your budget? What are your barriers? What fits into your day? Here's another example uh, that I use in our training with parents. A lot of people think of exercise when they think of self-care. Exercise is great and that works for a lot of people. Uh, if you think, all right, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna go run, uh, I'm gonna start running. Well, if you've never run a day in your life and you decide that you're gonna start running when you're a new parent, like that's just never gonna happen. <laughs> it's not realistic. But if running appeals to you, if you think like running makes me feel good, you know, moving my body, this, this seems like something that would work for me. Then how take that thing and see how it can be realistic for you. Maybe just moving your body feels good. And maybe uh, starting with running isn't realistic, but maybe walking is or using like a couch to 5k program where you work up to actually running. Uh, maybe picturing running outside is like your ideal vision of this, this self-care activity of being out in nature and running outside, getting fresh air. And maybe that means you can take a walk outside or maybe you just go outside for a little while. Um, is it the actual moving your body, the running, or is it being outside that feels refreshing to you? Or is it both? Um, so really reflecting on what is it that is appealing to you and then how can you fit that into your schedule your budget your time identifying what your barriers are whether that's finances whether that's having limited time whether that's you know always having children so having a hard time um, to do anything on your own um, what actually fits in your day and then at the end of the day what we're really trying to figure out is what are you actually going to follow through on so going back to my dance class example like that was great for integrating this thing, uh, bringing more dance into my life, but I stopped going. So I had this thing lined up, but I wasn't doing it. So it wasn't helpful to me. Uh, but when I shifted that to be more realistic with my schedule and my budget and my time, I've started actually doing it and then it is helpful to me. So if you have something that you set a goal for, or you think you wanna do for self-care, 
and you find yourself just not doing it, then move on to something else or tweak a bit of it or adjust it um, so that it does actually fit into your life. Because if it doesn't, you're not going to do it. And then that defeats the entire purpose. Um, you just aren't doing the self-care thing. And then we aren't doing self-care. All right. So we found what's rejuvenating for us. We've thought about how to make it realistic for our current life. And then the next step is to actually add it into your routine. So at the beginning, we talked about how self-care isn't just this special thing you do every once in a while. It really, really ideally needs to be something that you do daily because we don't just need care, you know, every six months when we take a vacation. We need care every single day. And think about, because um, so many of us are helpers, I like to think about our clients or our children and think about the care that you do for them if you just took a fraction of that care and applied it to yourself. So ways that you can work that into your routine, um, you can actually schedule it. I block off time on my calendar for self-care. Um, I coordinate with uh, my work schedule and I coordinate with my partner or with my childcare to actually have it on the calendar. Like this is my time for me. Um, or you can add it into your existing routines. Maybe you um, listen to an audiobook on your commute. Maybe you um, do something during your lunch break at work. Um, maybe you actually take a lunch break at work. <laughs> um, what can you do in your existing routine to make it a habit? Um, you can set reminders on your phone. Um, that really helps me, especially when I'm really busy and I forget. You can find ways to give yourself accountability, um, whether that's sharing that accountability with a friend, um, telling someone you're going to do something and asking them to follow up with you, um, and then really adjusting that as you need to. Because self-care also requires us to be flexible. What works for us um, in one season of life isn't going to work for us forever. So we need to be able to be flexible and really tailor our plan to what we need in that moment. And then I like to talk about this when things get really hectic. Um, you can do small self-care. Some self-care is better than no self-care. Five minutes is better than no minutes. One minute is better than no minutes. Um, I think, at least for me, a lot of the times, if I'm really busy, I think like, oh, I don't have time, so I'm just going to let this go. And we all know that the time when we're really busy and we're stressed is when we need self-care the most. So you can still care for yourself, but just dial it back. You know, what can you fit into your day that's going to be a tiny thing that will add up? So maybe... I've got some examples here. These are things that I do. Um, pick your favorite coffee cup. Uh, pick your favorite anything, honestly. Uh, wear your favorite shirt. Maybe you do have to go to work today and have a hard day, but if you're wearing an outfit that you like, maybe it'll make you feel a little better. Uh, some days I do not have time to go for an entire run, but I can walk outside my backyard, stare at trees, and they take three deep breaths, and that is better than nothing. Watching a funny video on YouTube is one of my favorite days to kind of, favorite ways to kind of take a little brain break. Uh, listening to music, reading five pages of a book, uh, calling a friend for five minutes, or sending them a text saying. Can you give me a one-minute pep talk? Um, those tiny little things can add up. And if you integrate those things into your day, then you're naturally just going to be in the habit of caring for yourself. It's not something special that you do every once in a while. It's just something that you're doing all the time. Okay, so we've talked about your self-care, kind of making your own self-care plan. Now we're going to talk about levels of self-care. So level one is your baselines. 
I've already established that we actually need care every day. It's not just something special that we do every once in a while. So your baselines are things that help you to be regulated, handle stressors, and generally have a good day. So finding what you need in just a regular average day to have, have a pretty good day. Uh, you can find these by tracking your habits and your moods and I have a worksheet in your handout that um, lists like your mood on level one to five and then you can track your habits as well um, for a week if that's something that you want to do. So I'm going to use myself as an example for all of these. So these are my baselines. I require a lot of sleep, eight hours, nine preferably. I don't always get it. As I said, I have two small children. <laughs> um, I also need to eat about every two hours, otherwise I start to get mean. So I carry snacks with me everywhere I go. Uh, I have to go outside at least once a day. Um, I use my journal either to plan or to process, uh, depending on what's going on. I have already established I'm an introvert, so I need alone time at least once a day uh, to recharge my batteries. And I need to move my body in some way. That can be yoga or just going on a walk or taking the stairs or whatever I have time for that day. Um, but if I do all of these things in a day, usually I'm going to have a good day. Um, it seems like a lot, but you can find ways to integrate them. So if I go for a run outside, then I've moved my body. I've had alone time if I know I'm a kid with me and I've been outside. So I've already checked things, those three things off the list. Uh, does anybody else, can anybody else think of like, what's something that you need in order to have a good day? What's something that would be one of your baselines? Type it in the chat if you have something. Coffee. Oh yeah, coffee. I need that. I should add that to my list. <laughs> a good night's sleep. Yep. Water. Something spiritual. Like that. Connecting with other people. Singing. Oh, nice music. Alone time. Fellow introvert there, Candice. Thank you. Okay, so good, listening to music or an audio book. Great, I love that you guys know, like this is something you need every day. Um, talking to someone outside of my home, I think a lot of us figured that out during COVID, that we need to do that. Something you need every day to have a good day. Doesn't mean we're gonna get them every day, but that's the goal, right? So level one is baselines. Level two is when you're starting to get stressed. Uh, wait, let me go back before I move on to this. Two reasons why this is helpful. One is you can find out what, you know, what's your baseline of what you need to have a good day. Two is it allows you to recognize when your day might be a little harder and you need to give yourself some grace. So for example, I mentioned I have two small children. Sometimes I get to sleep eight hours a night. A lot of times I don't right now because uh, small children do not care that I need to sleep eight hours a night. So if, uh, you know, if I've been up with kids in the night or if I have to wake up earlier than I thought or if I chose to stay up late and do something and I didn't get my eight hours of sleep, then I already know that my day is going to be a little harder and I can adjust my expectations accordingly rather than, you know, beating myself up, thinking, you know, why am I in a bad mood? What's going on? I need to get it together. I already know that, you know, it's just, it might be a hard day. And maybe that's a day where I'm surviving or I'm using other tools to make it through the day uh, rather than just expecting everything to be normal. Level two is stress. So when you're having a hard day at work or the kids are having a hard day, um, when you're just starting to feel stressed and dysregulated, um, check in and see what you can do to get back on track. Uh, the way to identify these things is first to 
reflect on what causes you stress and then what helps you to feel calm. So I'm gonna use myself as an example again. If I'm having stress in my day, a lot of time that means that I've not done all of my baseline. So I'll actually go back to my list that you can see here. Like if I didn't get my sleep or you know that that day is gonna be more stressful. Um, I might recognize like, oh, I haven't eaten in a while. I'm probably gonna do that. Or often uh, had a lot of rainy days here in Houston lately. Um, usually I'll identify like, I haven't been outside today. I've literally been inside all day long. I need to go outside. Um, so this is the first thing that I'll do. So I'll go back and check on my baselines to make sure I've done all the things I know I need to do to have a good day. If I have done all of those, then I need to kind of kick it up a notch. So for me, stress usually comes when I'm feeling overwhelmed um, or when I'm overstimulated. Um, that might be, I'm just, I got a lot on my plate and I'm really busy or uh, plans have changed and that's kind of thrown a wrench into things and I'm trying to adjust or um, there's just a lot of stimulation. I have a hard time personally with um, a lot of auditory input. So if there's like music playing and like kids toys that make noise and my children are also being loud and you know, I'm trying to do a phone call, like uh, that's a lot of input for me. So um, I'll do whatever I can to help me kind of uh, calm my body down. So that might be taking deep breaths. Uh, I might do a quick yoga video if I'm able to do that. Um, a lot of times it's finding quiet. So because auditory things are overstimulating for me, I know that I need to have some silence. Uh, isn't always possible <laughs> if I'm at home with my kids, but uh, I'll make a plan for as soon as I can. You know, if they go for a nap or if they're in the other room, I'll step into a space and instead of uh, you know, turning something on or being on my phone or playing music, I'll just sit in the quiet for a couple of minutes. And that usually helps me to be calmer. And then if I'm having a really hard day, I might try to do uh, a grounding medication a grounding meditation or, you know, medication, if that works for you. Um, that is something that really helps me uh, in the chaos to kind of find my center and lower my stress. So knowing what causes you stress helps you identify what helps you to regulate. Um, so first thinking about what causes you stress and then thinking about what helps, what helps your brain and your body to calm down um, when you are stressed. That's level two. Okay. And then level three is when things have gone completely off the rails. So level three is when you're feeling flooded, completely overwhelmed or panicked. Uh, again, knowing yourself is so key because this is going to be different for everyone. My level three usually involves um, when a lot of things have gone wrong and not according to my plan or uh, when something changes very unexpectedly, that is a big trigger for me. And I can feel, you know, my heart being faster. I can feel uh, my thoughts just racing uh, one after the other. Just, it's like a ticker tape of uh, news just going across my brain over and over and over or having like a million tabs open. Um, thoughts just racing. Uh, I can feel my body getting heated. 
these are the signs that I know, like I'm in level three. Um, we're not just talking about a little bit of stress. This is like a full on spiral for me. So I've been able to identify when I get into that level, what helps me to come down from it. And then these are the things that help me. So for me, writing things down is really helpful. I've talked about that, you know, I plan, I like to write things down. I like to journal. Um, when I am feeling big emotions or when I'm feeling flooded or panicked or overwhelmed, I have all these words going through my brain. And if I can get those down on a piece of paper, it feels like, you know, emptying those things from my brain so that they're not running through there anymore. And that's helpful to me. Uh, I talked about one of my triggers is when something changes unexpectedly and I have to adjust. Uh, so often if that happens, if I can make a plan for how I'm going to handle that or a plan for what I need to talk about or even a plan for what I need to plan for, <laughs> uh, planning is a big part of how I manage my stress, knowing what's going to come next and being able to at least maintain a sense of control for myself as much as I can. Um, so making a plan helps me um, talking to someone, venting, or even just, you know, getting out those feelings of stress or overwhelm or panic. Um, and then name it to tame it, which is a phrase that we use uh, in neurobiology. So if we're feeling high emotions or we're feeling uh, panic or overwhelm, uh, name what's going on. I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling out of control because my plans change. This phrase that I really like um, comes from one of Brene Brown's books, probably several of them at this point. I think it is Rising Strong. I don't know. I've read them all. They all run together. <laughs> um, but she uses this tool of uh, saying the story I'm telling myself before whatever, uh, whatever you're thinking. So again, using me as an example. The story I'm telling myself is I messed up that presentation and everything's going wrong. And, you know, the story I'm telling myself is no one can do anything but me and I have to take care of everything. And the only way that something happens is if I'm doing it right, doing it myself. The only way that it will be done right is if I do it myself. Putting this phrase, the story I'm telling myself in front of these thoughts uh, does a couple things for me. It um, it validates what's going on for me. Like this is the story of what's happening, but it also uh, recognizes that it's a story I'm making up for myself. Um, it may or may not be true. So I'm able to still kind of express that or think it without uh, committing to it being a true fact, because sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. Um, but it helps me to name what's going on, how I'm feeling and what the situation is. So we talked about identifying what works for you and how to build it into your routine. We talked about levels of self-care. You have a handout for that as well. Again, the different squares um, that has level one, level two, level three. There's also a section on there, I believe called super self-care that is those big things that are uh, wonderful to do, but we don't get to do them all the time. But identify them so if you have the opportunity to do it like uh, you know going on a vacation with your friends or family if that's refreshing to you my super self-care that I cash in every mother's day for sure but I've also started doing it on birthdays is um, I will get a hotel room by myself um, for about 24 hours and I will spend all the time alone and I will watch whatever TV I want and I will get takeout and I'll just, you know, spend time doing whatever I want.
by myself and it is an introvert's dream and I love it, but it is not something that I can do every single week or um, really as part of my daily routine. Uh, but it is a wonderful thing that I try to do whenever I have the opportunity for. That's my super self-care. Now let's talk about integrating your care. So I've talked about this a little bit when we talked about routine, um, but I wanted to end on this uh, as we kind of go back into our busy lives um, so that you're left with kind of action items for how you can integrate your care. For those of you that may not be familiar, uh, I like to talk about the spoons metaphor. Um, this is something I think that originated actually in the disability community. But my therapist introduced me to the concept uh, about six months ago, and it was really helpful for me in thinking about self-care. I know we talk a lot, um, the self-care world uses phrases like fill your cup, and like that visual didn't really work for me, um, but this metaphor did. So if you imagine uh, that you have, I'm gonna use my fingers because I did not bring props for spoons. Imagine that you have six spoons. In every day of your life, you have six spoons, and you assign a piece of whatever's going on that day to your spoons. So I'll use me as an example. So maybe um, two spoons are my kids on a regular day because <laughs> they're taking up a lot of my energy and my time. And maybe work is two spoons. Maybe work is two spoons. Uh, because I'm spending a lot of time and energy at work. And maybe, I don't know, my partner's another spoon or getting stuff done around the house or whatever is another spoon. At the end of the day, my goal is to have at least one spoon left for me. Uh, and I think often we, we give all our spoons to all the things going on in our life and we don't leave a spoon for ourselves. But that's the goal is to have a spoon left for you. And so depending on the day, it might be different. So let's say I've got my six spoons again. Let's say my kids are having a really hard day and, you know, four spoons are on kids. And then I might need to adjust my workload for that day to be able to care for my kids. Maybe that's taking the day off if one of them is sick. Maybe that's moving a meeting that can be moved, whatever, you know, whatever is going to work for my day so that I can lower the expectation for the rest of my spoon with and then still have a little bit for myself. Or maybe there are days where I, I'm out of spoons before 10 a.m. Uh, that's just going to happen because it's life. But again, that helps me set my expectations that I'm out of spoons already. I just need to survive the rest of the day. And that's okay. Some days are like that. What you want to try to avoid is... I'm out of spoons by 10 a.m. every day, then you know that something's not working uh, because you need to be able to actually have a spoon for yourself, maybe even two spoons for yourself. What a dream. So that's the spoons metaphor. Uh, that was really instrumental to me um, and a, just a much better thing for me to envision than like the liquid in a cup because that felt fine to me somehow. Uh, but the spoons thing felt uh felt a little bit easier to picture. I don't even think throughout the day, like, all right, how many spoons do I got? Oh, how many spoons is this? Uh, and kind of integrate that into my planning for caring for myself. And then you can block a time off on your calendar, even five minutes. Like, um, I don't know about you guys, but um, it takes five minutes at least for my computer to boot up in the morning. So that's five minutes that I can push that button and maybe savor my coffee and take some deep breaths. 
journal for a couple of minutes or listen to a podcast or a song that relaxes me or light a candle that smells good. Um, those tiny things can add up. So putting something on your calendar, even if it's just five minutes, and maybe you start with five minutes and maybe you expand it to five to six to 10 to 15, um, whatever works for you. And then I want you to look at if you've taken notes or if you kind of have things floating around in your head, I want you to pick just one thing to take away from you today to build into your routine. And if you want to participate um, and feel open to sharing, if you could type in the chat box, what's one thing that you want to build into your routine leaving here today? It can be anything. It can be eat lunch outside. Oh, that's nice. Limit my to-do list. Five minutes of quiet. Yes. Scheduling your time. More sleep. Write my planner. Singing in the car on the way to work. I like it. Breathing. Outside time. Reading. Writing down things. Yep. So one, I love this, guys. One thing that feels good to you that you just want to try. Dancing with your baby. I also dance with babies because sometimes that's the only way I get to dance. And sometimes they like it. Sometimes they're not on board. We do a lot of frozen dance parties in my house these days. Or walks gardening. Lovely. See, you guys know what you need. You know what works for you. Blocking up the time to do it. Remember, one minute is better than no minutes. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Okay. And then thinking about what helps you follow through. So you guys have listed the things that you want to do, um, but what's actually going to help you follow through. And I like to use the metaphor of uh, most of us are pretty good at following through with our work or following through on like things that need to be done with our kids. Uh, we're usually much better at following through on that stuff than we are doing things for ourselves. So think about what helps you to follow through. Um, well, Wanda, yes, getting a hotel room alone, speaking my language. Um, what helps you follow through at work? What helps you follow through with your kids? And then how can you apply that same thing to following through with your care? And if you guys wouldn't mind sharing, just to share ideas. So I've used a lot of calendar-based suggestions because I kind of live and die by the calendar. So if it goes on the calendar, it's usually happening for me. Uh, and that's where I manage all of our schedules. So putting it on the calendar really helps me follow through. But for some people, um, like my best friend talks about, like putting something on the calendar almost makes her not want to do it. Like committing that um, to that structure is not helpful to her. Not planning helps me follow through. Great. Telling friends and family. Yes. So again, knowing yourself, what helps you to follow through? Is it setting like a looser goal of, you know, this week I'm going to just try to sing more or this week I'm going to have more alone time. I'm seeing a lot of having family or friends hold me accountable. Yeah. Making a list. These are all great ideas. Thank you guys for sharing. So think about working up to it. Yes. Calendar with reminders. Yep. That's what works for me. Gardening after work. Ooh, I like Sammy. You've designed self-care to be something that need that needs you, almost. Um, which is a great way to hold yourself accountable. Um, if that's refreshing to you, gardening would not work for me because I would um, kill everything and then I would feel bad about it. <laughs> Tell my five-year-old. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. So, what helps you follow through? What helps you follow through at home, or what helps you follow through? at work, leaving myself sticky notes. Yes, that helps me too. And then take those things that already work in other areas of your life and try to apply them to your care. 
because caring for yourself is just as important as doing things at work. Remembering I'm a human and not a robot. Thank you, Natalie. That could just be like the summary of this entire presentation. <laughs> uh, you are just as important as your work. You're just as important as your kids. And the reality is if you don't uh, care for yourself, you can't do any of those other things. So doing whatever helps you to follow through. Really wanna leave you guys with the thought that, that you're worthy. You're worthy of care. You, you are not just what you can give to other people. You are worthy of care just because you are human and you deserve it. You don't have to earn it. This is kind of the end of my formal presentation. So if you guys have questions about anything, feel free to type questions in the chat and I will answer them as best I can. But I um, wanted to share a little bit more about myself if you enjoyed this and what more. Uh, actually, I have a book coming out in November called Parent Goals, The Millennial's Guide to New Parent Preparedness. It's designed to be a parent preparation guide for uh, people who are expecting children or who are new parents. Um, the information from this presentation is from the self-care chapter in my book. Uh, so that came from there. And there's a lot more like it if you're interested. Um, I post a lot of content like this also on Instagram. If you're on Instagram, there's my handle. And then on my website, lindsaygarrettlcsw.com, you can find blogs um, with a lot of this information. I actually have, if you liked this and are more of like a visual um, like writing down journal journal person i have this training in a free downloadable guide um, it's titled self-care for parents but you can also apply it if you're a professional um, it's where all the handouts came from so it's a lot more just kind of like reading or reflecting if you want to do that in your own time. thank you for coming here's me with my coffee this this is my favorite coffee cup that says liquid patience that my best friend me. i tend to use it on days when I need to remind myself to have more patience. Okay, I saw a question come in. Kimberly asked, how do you handle when you plan for self-care and life's distraction happens? So like, how do you handle when you've made a plan and it's not working anymore? Uh, I think is what that means. That's a great question. Um, this is really where flexibility comes in. So knowing yourself and knowing what you need in that moment. So if I... Um, and having a stressful day, and I know that I've not gotten all my baselines, I'll take a minute and think what I need right now. And maybe I need to go outside, or maybe I need a snack, or maybe um, I need a drink of water, or maybe I need an extra cup of coffee to just have the energy to get through the day. Um, so taking a minute to reflect and asking yourself what you need. Um, and then don't let just that one day or that season of stress make you give up on self-care. Like the goal really needs to be to get back to what your normal routine is eventually. Um, and if it's been, you know, several weeks or months or whatever, and your normal routine isn't working in your season, then you need to adjust your routine. Some seasons are about survival and some seasons are about thriving. Um, and knowing what you need in each season is really important. You can order my book on Amazon. Thank you, Tom. Any other questions? Hey, Lindsay, we have one more oh. question from Natalie. Yes. Um, what's the best time to track your baselines? Is it in the evening? We just do it throughout the day, kind of throughout the day. Um, maybe even check like in the morning um, or, you know, honestly, it depends on what works for you. If you could do like morning, lunch, evening, or maybe at the end of the day, reflect, reflect on your entire day. Um, but just to get a sense of 
on a on a regular day or semi-regular day for you what does that look like thank you for tuning in to gladney university's podcast we hope you learned something special to learn more about gladney check out our website at gladney.org you can find this podcast where all the cool podcasts live apple google and more thanks for joining us